Uh, good morning and welcome to Wanda's Ticks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media, Media Network. And that piece was uh, entitled Surrender, and it was uh, Walter Katindu's uh, um, piece that's a part of the uh, the world premiere of Love, a State of Grace, uh, a performance and ritual installation at San Francisco's Grace Cathedral. And uh, it's going to be opening February 11th, 12th, and 17th, and 18th. And if you know San Francisco's Grace Cathedral, it's like, oh, my God, to see, uh, you know, this wonderful work that Zako Dance Theater does, you know, people are flying <laughs> in the air, and you think about, oh, my God, how are they going to be flying in that huge space? So anyway, you definitely don't want to miss that. So you should go to uh, Zako um, dot org, or you can go to zacograce.brownpapertickets.com uh, to get your tickets um, for this wonderful, wonderful premiere. But I thought surrender would be such a wonderful way to just start our, our, our meditation um, as we think about, gosh, um, you know, sort of not resisting, because they say as if you resist, it persists. And, and we're going to talk to... Um, two wonderful uh, women who are doing some great work in helping um, folks like me who, um, you know, are affected or have been affected by uh, cancer diagnosis and are sort of looking at ways to to manage life, you know, as a survivor. And uh, in the studio presently, uh, we have uh, Ms. Dolores uh, Moorhead, who is a community engagement director and client support clinician for Women's Cancer Resource Center, a nonprofit organization in Berkeley that is dedicated to assisting women with cancer in navigating the complex health care system and improve their quality of life through education and supportive services. Dolores began her tenure with uh, WCRC as a volunteer and board member and has been on staff for 19 years. How old is Women's Cancer Resource Center? <laughs> You've been there 19 years. How old is the organization? <laughs> so the organization started in 1986. So Okay. Um, yeah, and one of the wonderful things that we celebrated is, um, you know, over 36 years. Right? Ooh. We we can't wow. So we've been around a long time and if you we had a very humble beginning. So, you know, just to say a little bit about that, it was um women who came together who had worked in the AIDS community during that time and they were diagnosed with Jackie Winneau was diagnosed with breast cancer and brought some other people together and actually the Women's Cancer Research Center started in her basement as a as a phone line with an answering machine. So we've come a long way. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I've been in that space, um, and I know women who, you know, work there, um, who – I think I came there for I think I came there for a dance class. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, have, I had some students who um who participated in some of the programming there and uh and uh I think Ray Louise Hayward, I think I'm not sure if she yeah. is how I came to know it because of your connection to the art of living black then now, the art of the African mm-hmm. diaspora. 
and I will come to openings uh, in the satellite exhibit there many, many times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's so beautiful. It just feels so warm, the colors, the atmosphere. It just It sort of embraces you when you walk through the door. And it even embraces you in Zoom, which is kind of like, oh well, that's really? nice to hear. I love hearing that. <laughs> yeah, and in the email, I yeah. mean, everything, and phone calls. I mean, you know, it's just like, yeah, you all just it just breathes through the technology. You know, the energy of love and kindness um, that sort of mm-hmm. permeate, you know, the institution. So um, yeah, so thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah, I just want to share that when you talked about the colors. Um, Margot Rivera Weiss. Oh they yeah, Miss Margot, of, she was beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were an artist and very, mm-hmm. very talented. And they thought of the colors and what they mm-hmm. wanted it um, to portray. So when you talk about the art of living black, that all came to WCRC because of Margot. Oh really? Yeah. 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 Yeah, Margot's flowers. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, they were so beautiful. <laughs> Her paintings. Mm. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. Um, their paintings. Um, previously, uh, uh, Miss uh, Moorhead uh, was employed for almost 14 years at the American Cancer Society as a patient services manager. You received a Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health, Counseling, and a B.S. in Psychology uh, with honors from Walden University. You obtained training from the Center of Mind-Body Medicine as a facilitator in mind-body relaxation skills. For over 33 years, uh, you have passionately devoted your professional career to serving individuals with cancer in the San Francisco Bay Area. In your position with WCRC, you act as an advocate, counselor, and patient navigator to eliminate barriers that exist in the medical system so that all women diagnosed with cancer receive quality health care. You have worked with diverse populations, including African Americans, Latinos, or Latinas, <laughs> uh, LGBTQIA+, it's getting longer. I remember when it was just, you know, four, 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 four letters long. I was like, oh, my yes, goodness. Yes, <laughs> And Asian Pacific Islanders. Um, <laughs> in 2008, you received the American Cancer Society's National Lane Adams Quality of Life Award in recognition of exemplary cancer care and ongoing support to cancer patients. So again, welcome so much. And um, what is that that wonderful award you received? Um, I tell me about it. I, I don't know it. Okay, so the American Cancer Society has the Lane Adams Award, which is named after um, a very important person who was involved with them. And truthfully, I will just say, as one who doesn't like a lot of attention, I have mm-hmm. to tell you the award was honoring the work that that I did, and it also honored various people who were working in in the field of cancer and making a difference in individuals' lives. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's an honor. The the folks who nominated me very quietly, I will always be grateful to them because it was such a shock when I received the call that I started crying. <laughs> so, 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a, it's an award that basically says thank you for for not for not for your tireless efforts, basically, of being out there and wanting to be a part of making a difference and helping people move through this journey with cancer that puts a can change one's life so tremendously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was uh, wondering, since um, uh, the director um, is not able to join us for, for some technology reasons, I wanted to know, was it possible for you to call her to do a three-way and I could play another one of uh, Walter uh, uh, Katundu's uh Oh, yeah, please song. do that. Yeah, I can call her and... Let me, while you're doing that, I will figure out how to conference call. Okay? Okay. All right. Cool, cool. So we're going to okay. take a little break, play some music, and you go get <laughs> go get Amy. I will go get her. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I'm going to put you on, on um, mute right at the moment, okay? So you can do what you okay. have to do. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So we are going to play... Um, uh, Walter's got one called Finding Focus, which I really like. So we're going to play that, um, and then we'll come back with our guests.
So again, uh, <laughs> that was a uh, composer, uh, multimedia artist Walter uh, Katindu's. Uh, well, we started with Surrender, uh, followed by uh, not Surrender. We started with Surrender at the beginning of the show, followed by Finding Focus and ending with Climbing with Belief. <laughs> and both our guests are in the studio. But I just wanted to mention again that the world premiere of Love, A State of Grace, a performance and ritual installation at San Francisco's Grace, Grace Cathedral begins tomorrow, February 11th, uh, continues the 12th, and then next week, uh, February 17th and 18th. And um, composer uh, Walter uh, Ketundu's sound score incorporates recorded material the activation of live acoustic instruments within Grace Cathedral. Uh, the cathedral, as you know, um, has a massive pipe organ, which you probably heard a little bit of, but we didn't hear um, any work with the voices of a small choir. So that's going to be really awesome when you're in the space. All in conversation with the cathedral's cavernous interior space and prolonged reverberation. Um, and uh, so I was really excited because... Um, the uh, uh, the choreography that Johanna Haygood um, has with the dancers' movement using original props created by the collaborating designers Wayne Campbell and Sean Riley, such as an anchored 90-foot ladder and 70-foot swinging pendulum. It's going to be like, oh, my gosh, you know, watching dancers fly through that space with the pendulum and the beautiful music. Ah, it's going to be simply phenomenal. So you can go to the website and you can actually um, look at a little um, preview if you go to uh, Zacco Z A C C H O dot O R G. You can you know watch a little clip and get your tickets and you know if you are able be in the house. So anyway, back to our wonderful conversation with uh, Ms. Dolores. And uh, now with Miss Amy uh, Alanez. Good morning. I'm so happy you are together. <laughs> Good morning. Thank you. thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Oh, no worries. You know we weren't going to leave you, you know, sort of like, <laughs> I can't get in, like, heck to the no. <laughs> oh, technology. <laughs> oh, yeah, we are not defeated. Mm. You know, we've been in a pandemic so long now that, yeah. Technology, oh, you know, like we could always go to one of our free how to it, how do how to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's there, you know. Yes. You got if you got a cell phone, you can do three way. Yes. I think most phones. <laughs> we do made that. it work. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So wonderful to have you with us. So, um, Amy, you have served as executive director for the Women's Cancer Resource Center in Berkeley. Um, how long now? So I have almost been with the organization for four years, um, and I have a longer relationship with WCRC because in a prior role um, at another cancer organization, we um, did some work with WCRC. So I've I've known about the amazing work for many years, probably um, 15 years, and it's been an incredible honor to serve um, in a staff capacity for the last almost four Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, wonderful, wonderful. And um, 
and you write in your bio that you know WCRC provides comprehensive and coordinated services that include community-based cancer patient navigation, which we already talked about a little bit, psychotherapy, and affinity-based support groups. You can tell us more about that. Wellness programs and emergency financial assistance. Your work has spanned homeless services, substance abuse, HIV/AIDS uh, support and work, uh, rape and sexual assault, mental health, and cancer support support services. You previously served as executive director of the Summit Bank Foundation, the development director of Cancer Supporting Community San Francisco Bay Area, director of administration for Community Violence Solutions, and in multiple positions with New Connections Behavioral Healthcare. So, yeah, between the two of you, I think you've covered all of the various potential spaces that folks that need services might be, you know, hiding yeah. or or just, you know, just trying to find, find, figure out, you know, how they're going to navigate. Uh, because, you know, when you get that C, lowercase, uppercase, like just mm-hmm. the C, like what? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. It's like HIV AIDS. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to die tomorrow. Let me start making my will, you know. Like life mm-hmm. after HIV, life after cancer, like you know, people are doing really well. I guess with the earlier detection and um, and and you know more awareness now of how to to treat something that you know. I remember you know in the American Cancer Society long long time ago, like you know, people weren't living that long afterwards. Yeah, and depending on you know you know sort of your race, you know, like black women and breast cancer, you know, like how black women, you know, when they got the breast cancer diagnosed, like, oh, stage four, you know. And now mm-hmm. yeah. there's so many people I know that are living long, healthy lives, productive lives, you know, past, you know, the diagnosis and the treatment. So um, so maybe, um, Amy, since you haven't had a chance to talk yet because you just joined us, why don't you talk about, you know, sort of this organization and what kind of services you provide and how do people find out more? You have this wonderful newsletter that comes out every week, <laughs> and you've got these great yeah. classes. I'm just loving I'm like, don't get stressed out, Wanda. You're taking too much classes. I'm like, I've got painting on, <laughs> on Wednesday, and I've got painting every other Friday, two different kind of paintings, journal writing. Oh my goodness, meditation. Uh I just started a playwriting, you know, workshop. Oh, wonderful. Uh, and uh what else am I taking? Oh, I've got the, the black women's support group on Wednesdays. Uh yeah. And I and I just like stop wanting to finish one thing first and then the the mindful self compassion. Um oh my goodness. It's it's just great, great stuff. <laughs> So, Wanda, do you mind if I step in before Amy says something? Because when you made the comment about um, previously when black women got and African-American women got breast cancer, they felt like mm-hmm. it was, you know, the big C in the end of, of life. The one, yes. the whole reason that the Sisters Sister program began was it began with the story around breaking the silence because, Wanna Wright and others who are no longer here with us, Karen Holly, they recognized that the story needed to be told and people needed to see them. And people, I mean, we can look to Faith Bancher as a journalist, but when it, that was before her, but they realized 
how do we get out of here, out in the world, and let people know that there is life after breast cancer as a black woman? So that's all I wanted to say. That's oh, wonderful, that's so Dolores. Thank, Thank you, you so for much. sharing that piece of our history. So I think, um, I mean, I'm, I'm so happy that we can share um, our organization with others. And Wanda, I'm, I'm thrilled that um, you are engaging in art and community. And I think that's really what WCRC is about. I think that we are an organization, um, you know, we're a social justice organization that focuses on um, advancing health equity. Cancer is, you know, the area in which we're providing and doing the work together. Um, but we're really about meeting people where they are and understanding that for a lot of people who come to us, cancer, although it is, you know, when I think monumentally about a cancer diagnosis, it's huge. Um, but we have so many people that come to us and, you know, there's so many other things going on in their life and in their community that they can't even focus yet on what the impact of this illness um, may have on their lives or their family's lives. And so what I love about WCRC, and it's, I think it's very unique um, in the, the organizations that I've worked with prior, um, you know, we, there's not a cookie-cutter approach to our services. People walk through the door or, you know, we talk to them on the phone in, in the pandemic virtual world. Um, but we listen and we hear them, we see them, we learn about what their other needs are so that we can not just say, oh, we've got some support groups for you, but we can say, you know, we understand you need some food support or emergency financial assistance or, you know, you don't have stable housing. And, you know, our staff are trained and we have a lot of community resources that allow us um, to help people not just, you know, provide services to them, but help them access other community providers. And so, you know, that's the one thing I want to say in kind of thinking more broadly about us is that, you know, we're really trying to help each person uniquely. Um, and then under that umbrella, we have a lot of services. Um, all of our services are free. Um, we have support groups, which Dolores, all, you know, she can talk um, more specifically about the various support groups. Um, we offer the cancer patient navigation. We have um, counseling services, so free psychotherapy sessions for low-income women, um, caregivers, and non-binary individuals. Um, and then we have this abundance of wellness because we recognize that, you know, wellness is a part of the healing journey of cancer. So we offer the expressive arts classes. We have dance and movement, um, you know, journaling. So creating a space for people to um, heal really, as they're going through their cancer journey, and then be connected to us beyond. Uh, a lot of our folks, um, you know, they stay connected after their cancer journey, and sometimes that shows up as they're volunteering to host a workshop and give back or coming into our center and greeting clients uh, who are coming in at the front desk. So um, I think, have I missed a service, Dolores? <laughs> Emergency financial assistance, maybe. Mm -hmm. And also our compassion um, program, yes. which yeah. is our volunteers who call and, and check in on, the, on our clients who like to receive phone calls so they're not isolated and feeling yes. alone and also have access for the volunteer to be able to help them with resources. Yes. 
There's so many programs. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Um, so, um, Ms. Dolores, why don't you talk about the, um, I think you mentioned support services? Yeah. Or support groups? Uh, support groups, yeah, support there are, groups, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, we're, you know, we're very fortunate to have volunteers who are make it possible for us to have a support group. You know, we have two different support groups for individuals dealing with metastatic disease, and we have also have a support group for young women with cancer, and another support group that we've had since for a very long time, before it was popular, that supports individuals who decide to do integrative medicine, either alone, or to do integrative medicine while doing more traditional, when I say traditional, chemotherapy radiation. And then we have our support groups that are ethnic-based. So we have, we have a support group for Latinx women that's in Spanish. That happens weekly. It's a mixture of support group and wellness. That happens in, in culturally and in their language, so there's not that barrier. And as you mentioned, Wanda, the Sister to Sister has two support groups that happen in Richmond and also in Alameda County. And right now, these things are being, these groups are being done by Zoom. And we found that there's a plus to that because for some folks who are not feeling well, they can still come into the support group and, re- and receive that, that support that is very much needed. Did I miss a group, Amy? No. Okay. <laughs> you know, and and um, perhaps, Wanda. Yes. I was going to oh, ask you to tell people say, how, to, how, to, how to get in touch with you, too, before you continue. Because there's something, oh, I need this. Oh, okay. So um, we do have a, a line. So our, our general line is 510-420-7900. And if someone wants to reach me directly, they can call me, Dolores, at 510-206-3078. And they can always go to our website, www.wc.org. Okay. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Um, I believe someone was getting ready to say something. I don't know which one of you that was. Oh, I was, I was just going to say, I was thinking as you played Surrender, and mm-hmm. then you and yes. I were talking about mindfulness, that mm-hmm. one of the things that happens at WCRC is mindfulness. Even if you're not taking a mindfulness class, you know, it happens mm-hmm. through yoga. Mm-hmm. It happens through the book club. It happens through the cooking classes. Because mindfulness is about an action, and an action is, can be as simple as sitting there and watching Chandra and Evelyn cook food, and then, sh- then you get to take that recipe. And that's a mindfulness act. Mm. So it's not just always about breathing. It's about action. And WCRC allows that action to happen in different ways that someone doesn't have to be concerned that they can't breathe and let go they can do it do it differently. And that's the wonderful thing about being able to have mindfulness and at WCRC. Option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, I was wondering um how 
how you all chose your paths, um, you know, this this work that you do. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say it chose me. <laughs> yeah. Um, it chose me because this was not the field I planned to get into. But when I think about it, my father was diagnosed with cancer when I was 14. And as mm-hmm. you may recognize and know, Wanda, that in, in the black community, at least how I grew up, is that once the big C happened, I couldn't tell anybody. So at 14, I did that journey afraid and never told anyone. And when I got called to this field, I realized that, wow, my community needs to know it's okay. And there are services out there to support you. And this has become my mission to do that, to be there, to ensure that no one walks this journey alone. And I do that. And... I honor my father by by doing it. Yeah, it's beautiful, How Dolores. It? Yeah, did did I, he, uh, uh, it, did, did he live um, after after? I mean, did he live for you know, until you grew up? Or my, well, my father had twenty years of of being cancer free, and oh, nice. he had a secondary cancer. Um, due to the radiation he had for that one cancer. And at that point, he decided he wasn't going to do anything, which I think for me I'll say was very hard for a woman who is in the field and can't get your father to do something. Mm-hmm. And so I had to support him and, and, and accept that his journey with his second diagnosis had to be his own. And he did succumb to that. But he was able to do it at home in his way without outside support, and what I mean by that is he didn't want hospice because he didn't quite understand it and he didn't want strangers in his house. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that goes to the more education around the importance of making sure that my community and then all people understand what hospice care means and how supportive it can be because the, the stats for our community is that hospice comes in just a few days before before someone passes and the family doesn't receive the support that they could have received to carry for their loved one transitioning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. And you, Amy, what brings you to the work? Well... Uh, like Dolores, uh, it found me. Um, and, you know, I, I started my nonprofit career really as, as an adult. I mean, nonprofit work was kind of my first adult work. Um, and all of the, all of the um, sectors that I have been involved in have touched my life or my family's life personally. So um, many, in many ways, um, the healing journey has, the path has been laid out for me, and I've just, you know, I've listened um, and been in, in thoughtful and that with, walked with intent towards the path of greatest healing and opportunity for that. So um, I landed in the cancer uh, field in 2006, and at the time, um, you know, I had had a, a long family history of cancer, so as a little girl, 
I had experienced a lot of, you know, witnessing relatives move into my grandma's house and go through chemotherapy and radiation. And it wasn't a positive experience for me because way back then they didn't have great, um, you know, medications for nausea and, and other stuff. So I had an aunt, Viola, and I just remember her journey being really, really hard. Um, and that scared me. So I wasn't quite sure that, you know, the cancer um, sector was for me, um, but I found an organization that was full of healing and life and gifts um, to give to people who had cancer and their family members. And about a year and a half into that role, my mother was diagnosed with cancer. So again, maybe that, maybe there was a path that, you know, I had, it had been prepared for me so that I could be ready for what was going to come. Um, She had not really ever experienced illness in her life. Uh, She was 57 when she was diagnosed and it was a very rare and very aggressive cancer. So um, for five years, I was her advocate. Um, I was her caregiver. Um, I, you know, helped find second opinions and, you know, helped navigate the complexities of her treatment, uh, which went from an area of origin, which was uterine to lung and then ultimately to brain. Um, She passed seven years ago at the age of 62. And, you know, it's, it's really been, um, it's, it's affirmed my path and it's affirmed that working, uh, especially with women who are going through cancer um, as mothers and sisters and, you know, partners and grandmothers, it's, it's really, um, it's just an honor to be on this journey. And I did step away for a few years when I went to Summit Bank Foundation and was out of the direct service sector. I was uh, raising money for cancer research at UCSF um, because I needed some time to heal. And uh, coming back to direct service at WCRC was the, has been the perfect way to really honor my mother's uh, legacy and to help other women go through their journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, Amy, yeah, this is... Um... <sighs> to take a breath <laughs> or, a few, or a few breaths uh yeah i just um i don't know sometimes i'm like oh i just can't hear any more stories uh i just don't know you know how how this could be a career mm-hmm. oh, it's a wonderful mm-hmm. career mm-hmm. and you know i feel like my mother's journey is was very positive in the sense that although there was closure and ending, um, it, it really has informed um, what I'm able to do, you know, with the rest of my life. And so um, I just, I feel really grateful um, that I, I was able to be a part of that and learn and grow so much through um, the journey of another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just thinking from from hearing your stories that, um, you know that you know that as I keep on living, then the distance will allow me to have more space, you know, to be able yeah. to mm-hmm. be in conversation, you know, with other people that have made similar journeys, or mm-hmm. are close to you know this journey in in a variety of ways. Uh, so I think, mm-hmm. you know, 
keep on living because it hasn't been that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And give yourself yeah. that space yeah. for your own mm-hmm. healing first. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's why that's how these these classes <laughs> and groups are so helpful. And I just um, when I just heard about oh somebody can call me, oh, I think I'm going to sign up for that one. That would be nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, nice. that would be very nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, wow. It's really important. I mean, I think that such an organization as WCRC, the Women's Cancer Resource Center, and it's just for us, you know, it's for women. We don't have to, like, share. <laughs> this is like, wow, this is pretty right. amazing. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and today that there could be something that's legal that's just for women. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so is there anything else you want to talk about since, you know, the organization has, you know, celebrated 20, 36 years? Um, have things gotten easier to be able to provide these services? Um, you, you all seem to be doing well monetarily, but I'm sure you can always use more. And, and Amy, you are the person, I think, that sort of um, sort of headlines the, uh, the fundraising unit <laughs> as the organization as so, executive yeah. director. <laughs> we we are we are very fortunate that um, we have had such incredible community support over um, the lifetime of our organization, and you know it's individuals. A lot of our fundraising comes through this big swim a mile event that we do at Mills College. It's coming up April 30th and May 1st, oh. um, and corporations and foundations and. You know, many of the people who support us have been, they've received services in the past. They've had family members who have benefited from what we can offer. Um, And sometimes, you know, they haven't yet benefited, but they've just had a diagnosis um, and they want to give back um, because they value what we provide in the community. So um, it's, it's a lot of hard work behind the scenes. Um, you know, and there, of course, I mean, we, the more we grow, the more people we will be able to serve. Um, and, you know, we know there's people um, out there that we haven't reached yet. And that's why another reason why we so greatly appreciate this opportunity for you um, to share us with, with anyone who might benefit from what we have to offer. Um, it's been rough the last couple of years in the sense that, you know, the pandemic has really changed the way we've been able to come together in community. Um, we have this beautiful community center in Berkeley, and, um, you know, staff have been in the building working um, in shifts, but it, it has not fully opened to clients yet because of the, the virus and, you know, our desire to work really hard to keep our clients safe um, from, from this virus. Um, I do want to share, because I think it's important, and Wanda, you're hearing it first, we don't even have these um, kind of, you know, collateral materials in print, Um, but we are going to host an open house um, and a community resource fair on Thursday, June 23rd um, in the late afternoon, early evening. We'll share this broadly on our website, in our e-communications with our clients and our folks. Um, And I think the the thing that I'm really excited about is around coming together back in community and, you know, we'll have some scheduled tours. We'll have the resource um, community partners in our parking lot so people will be safe and um, can be outdoors. 
But, you know, we have a, we have a, a Jan Ray Community Art Gallery. Part of our, um, you know, our organization's history and values is really around community art and recognizing the importance of expressive arts and other art forms as part of the healing journey. And so our walls have been bare for almost two years or maybe two years now in our center um, because of the the physical closure of space because due to the pandemic. And so um, our open house is actually going to be the uh, reopening of our Jan Ray Community Art Gallery. And um, we are going to be um, sharing art from our clients in the various expressive arts programs. So um, we're excited to put this art show together. We're happy that we're going to be able to work with our clients have, who have been doing incredible um, art through the pandemic. And, you know, Wanda, I hope you'll be there for that as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely putting it in my book. Um, yeah. Okay, great. Do you, have, do you have a time yet? I know uh, it will be from June 4 to 6. Yeah, 4 to 6. Okay, okay. all righty. Cool, cool. And I wanted to mention uh, one nice thing, another nice thing um, about about these these classes is that um, besides being free, which is really awesome, uh, if there are supplies, um, WCRC provides them. So if you're taking a painting class, you know, um, you can pick up or uh, the center will mail it to you. Denise is the person <laughs> will mail them to you, yeah. and and she mm-hmm. and and uh, sometimes you know people will bring you know the supplies to you. So I've got I got paints and brushes mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. journals and mm-hmm. paper and yeah, it's been heck of cool um, being able to uh, you know to express myself like this. I don't know if it's going to get to the point where I want it to be on a wall in a gallery. But it's just the, <laughs> the process of saying, oh, yeah, that looks really nice in Zoom. Like, mm-hmm. let me yeah. just do my little thing over here. But <laughs> and Nicole is such a great teacher. Um, <laughs> and Inez, she is really wonderful, too. Um, but anyway, yeah, I see some really wonderful art <laughs> in my classes, right. in my meetings. And it's like, ooh, yeah. But one day I'll be like that artist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, want to know if you could tell us more about the fundraiser coming up um, uh, the end of March, um, uh, April first. Yeah. So it's it's actually April thirtieth and May first. Oh, and May 1st, it is uh, yeah. So it's swim a mile, move a mile for women with cancer. Um, we. We got creative in the pandemic, and we added a move-a-mile component because we had to do the event uh, virtually um, in 2020. Um, It is our 27th annual event. Um, The Mills College Pool is, like I'm told, the best around, and I certainly think it's my favorite. Um, But people can sign up to fundraise. Um, the minimum fundraising is $250. Most people raise, you know, much more than that. And then they come. They, there's um, opportunities to train at the pool to get ready for it, but they come to the pool. We come together safely. Uh, people swim a mile in the pool for women with cancer. They move a mile. They, we can walk the campus. There's beautiful trails. And it raises about a third of our budget um, this mm-hmm. past 
October, uh, we're moving our event from October to the spring because of the fire seasons in California. So we, we don't normally hold an event six months apart, but we're, we're kind of celebrating our inaugural spring event um, this spring, and then we'll have our next event spring of 2023. Uh, but this event raised 475000 for us this last wow. time. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's incredible. We have usually over 400 participants and then really over 5,000 people who make uh, contributions to their swimmers or water walkers or movers um, to help underwrite our mission. Oh, well, that's great. That's really, yeah, yes. and you can find information. Yes, and if, if anyone's interested, I mean, they could call um, and talk to any of us, or they could go to the website, uh, wcrc.org, um, and then there's a, a button you can click that says Swim a Mile, and it'll take you right to the page and give you all the information. Excellent, excellent. Um, so do you have any wish lists uh, that you'd like to um, roll out <laughs> for listeners? <laughs> you know, I haven't thought about that. Uh, huh. Well, wish list. Um, I mean, well, you know, we, we still are collecting um, brand new, you know, KN95 masks and little hand sanitizers because we, we know that as we reopen in the spring, there will be some folks who come to us that, that have a need for that. And so, um, you know, we, we, we have been, several organizations and individuals have donated um, those supplies to us so that we can keep our clients stocked when they come in um, to the building and then also when they go out into the community. I think we're going to need them for a while longer. I mean, I, everything is changing so fast, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, so I, I, I don't know, Dolores, if you have any thoughts on what your programs might might be looking for. Well, um, <clears throat> I just thought of, you know, as, as Wanda was saying, the art supplies. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, we always can use colored pencils, gel pens, because we are able to share these these um, items with individuals who, you know, don't have them and may feel like they can't participate because they don't have the supplies. Yeah. Uh, but yet, as Wanda shared, we find a way to get those supplies to you so that it that not having them does not hinder you from participating in a potentially healing opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and I want to mention how um, how much I appreciate the way that um, uh, Women's Cancer Resource Center um, protects um, the participants' privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's be like really high up there in the in the value system for the organization. Um, like the teachers don't even know how to get in touch with us. If we want them to get in touch with us, we have to give them our personal information, you know, the email or the phone number. And uh, and that's that's throughout the whole thing. I mean, whether that's uh, Niala Rose doing her wonderful uh, Tai Chi Cha, you know, in Zoom. She is so great. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. You know, Heart Center Tai Chi Cha, um, or you know, um, uh, uh, Robin who teaches the um, the playwriting. 
you know, mm-hmm. class workshop. Yeah. And and I also like the way that um, the workshops don't go on and on forever. They're the terminus. You know, they're like every mm-hmm. other week, mm-hmm. and they have a distinct beginning and ending and product, mm-hmm. and then you can take something else or continue because I've met people that have been, oh, yeah, we've been doing this for years. I'm like, so I like that too, the um, sort of the, uh, the institutionalization of things that have worked. Mm-hmm. And also like, you know, the new stuff that comes in and also like the way that if you haven't been there, you're welcome. <laughs> you know, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We strive to make it to make WCRC a welcoming place. That when you walk in the doors it feels like home. Mm-hmm. And we appreciate your feedback, Wanda. Very much. Oh, well sure. I'm I'm really, really in appreciating the support of an institution like, like yours. Um never knew that I would, you know, participate in it. Um you know, because I was affected like this. But I'm um, glad that it's there. Yeah, really yeah. happy that it's there. It's been very and we're helpful. glad you were able to find us. Yeah, that you found out about us. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, I've been knowing about WCIC for, <laughs> I don't know, 20-something years, more than that. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very long time. Because um, I, I can't think of any other organization that does the kind of work you do. I mean, if they exist, um, they're not, like, in the community like WCRC is in the community. You know, like, it's a part of the conversation. Um, when people think about services, they think about um, support, they think if they're a woman, they think WCRC. If they're a black woman, they think WCRC. Specifically, if, mm-hmm. if she is a black woman, I can't think of any place that I can't even think of another organization. Call WCRC. They got you. Well, thank you. Because I just thank feel you. like all the black women that have, you know, that have supported others that I know, that I know who work there, you know, way back mm-hmm. when, they might not be there now. Yeah, I don't know any place like that. Unless, unless for instance, okay. you know, it's Allen Temple, eight, uh, Allen Temple's, they do a lot of stuff around, support around, people with cancer in, in their particular congregation, but I don't belong to Allen Temple. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for saying that. I mean, that is that has always been my goal since I arrived mm-hmm. in, 20, in 2002 was to make sure that that my community knew that WCRC was there and shared that information, and that we are a safe place that is culturally culturally aware and understands what it means to live in America as a black woman and then to be diagnosed with cancer as a black woman, that we don't add to the barriers of care. We actually help that person feel empowered to understand how to move through the system, the medical system, and the importance of having a quality of life during this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you all are around beyond we can see, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. Me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope that as well. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for having well, us, thank Wanda. You. And 
Oh, and we hope awesome. that, you know, we'll see you in the community at some point. Yeah, yeah, that would be nice. Um, yeah, it's going to be outdoors. Yeah. I think I can see that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I don't Thank think you. I've been to Berkeley um, in yeah, I've been to Berkeley in, in a couple of years now. How old is this pandemic? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I just go where I can walk uh, or go where I can yeah, ride yeah, my yeah, bike. Yeah. Uh, and so I figured mm-hmm. that way the germs will be in common with my germs. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I like that. But yeah. June, Me too. Yeah, June, um, uh, end of April, May, I might, I don't know, I definitely want to support the uh, the fundraiser um, in, in some way. I might have to to walk, you know, somewhere else and, and you know, and, and still, you know, contribute. Yeah. But I, I like walking. I like walkathons. Nice. I don't know how to swim, so I can't do the swim thing. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it sounds, sounds really wonderful. And, yeah, you know, this has been a really encouraging conversation. It was kind of selfish. I want to know who runs this place. <laughs> yeah, I want to share your, you know, this wonderful organization with everyone because you all are really wonderful. I know an organization is not people. You know, it's the people, mm-hmm. but we think institutions. Mm-hmm. We don't think people. So, you know, our audience has been able to at least meet two of the people that makes that mm-hmm. world go around. So it's really wonderful for you all sharing, uh, particularly, you know, your personal um, stories with us. We really appreciate it. And I don't want to hold you up too much longer because, you know, um, the organization, you know, your work is continuing presently yeah. as, as we speak. Well, thank you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I look uh, forward to I, meeting you in person at some point. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly. And, um, yes. you know, if you want to have other people, like some of the teachers, come on and talk, you know, shoot the the airlines, uh, the airways are open. So we can do this, oh, you know, you. quarterly. We can do this every couple of months, you know, like, oh, we got a new nice. class we're offering, we've got a new <laughs> support group, we've got a blah, blah, blah. You know, we need to do a push mm-hmm. for this. Yeah. You nice. know, oh, thank you. Mind. Thank you for that offer. Thank you so yeah. much. Oh, you know, no problem. You take good care. Thank you so much again. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, too. Take you, care. too. Bye-bye. You, too. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Uh, that was so wonderful. The Women's Cancer Resource Center, WCRC.org. Yeah, yeah. You think about endowments. You think about, you know, worthy causes. You think about, hmm, you know, sort of where do I want to put my resources? This organization is one that's doing some really important work, very important work, and uh, helps a lot of people. All righty. So, um uh, am I going to end with something, some kind of music? <laughs> uh, um, I'm going to, uh, yeah, it always happens. I don't know what to play. Um, I had a really good interview um, with um, uh, um, L. Peter Callender and, um, and, uh, And a really wonderful woman um, who I really, really like. Uh, and her last name is uh, Indabelle. And I'm, I'm drawing a blank on her first name. She's going to kill me if she hears this. Because <laughs> I haven't called it in a while. Do you know how that is when you don't call a name? Uh, 
you can see the person's face, but if you don't call the name, sometimes you get kind of rusty. But um, I think I'm going to play uh, um, Leon Thomas. says uh creator has a master plan. Um, I think uh, Brian Bowling is singing it. And then we're going to slip into Anthony and Cleopatra. It's a... Um, they, it, the play was a part of the uh, African American Shakespeare Company's um, 2015-16 season, and uh, it was really, really awesome. And uh, so I think we'll we'll end with that from the archives. But let me play um, this uh, creator has a master plan. I think that's a uh, is that a Pharaoh Saunders original? I'm not sure. <laughs> but anyway. Um, Leon Thomas, I remember him singing it.
really lovely. Um, I wanted to mention to everyone, I, I, I'm a stamp collector, and, uh, and I always try to make sure that in February I get a new um, stamp um, for the Black Heritage Series. And this, this particular year, 2022, um, sculptor Edmonia Lewis is, is being honored, and, um, and she... Um, is uh, Edmonia Wildfire Lewis. Um, she's on the 45th stamp for Black Heritage Series. And uh, she uh, was uh, from upstate New York. She was a woman of mixed race with black and uh, Ojibwe uh, ancestors. She was born in the 1940s when um, women of color struggled to be heard, and she had a talent for publicizing herself. Um, uh she uh she was the first black woman to um uh to be uh a really a professional um sculptor and uh and her um the the real the famous uh piece that uh was a part of a a uh, um a big uh exhibition at um a, um was called the death of Cleopatra, and it shows uh, the Egyptian queen slumped on her throne, and and that particular sculpted piece, which was huge, disappeared for 100 years, um, and now it's in the Smithsonian Museum of American Art in Washington D.C., um, where there are a lot of uh, other busts uh, and other work of hers, um, but anyway. Uh, yeah, I um I bought one of these stamps this week and uh, I was like, who is Edmonia Lewis? And I didn't know her and I was like, whoa, how could I not know her? And I found um a really wonderful um uh it was um a new a new podcast series that I hadn't known and uh and so I was able to um listen to that and it sort of shared the mystery of of finding this this huge huge uh statue i mean how do you lose 
how do you how do you how does something that huge disappear um and then we think about this uh woman who went to Oberlin um uh, her brother you know sent her there um uh, because she was you know so gifted and such a talent and and what happened to her there as a result of her you know her blackness and uh and and the you know the racial uh terror that happens you know, the people of African descent. Um, so anyway, um yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a really, really wonderful story of triumph and, and, and she made her living as an artist. Uh she she passed, um she made her transition in, in uh in London but uh, when she went to Europe she was finally free to, to just do her art and uh so yeah, great great story. Um I'm not doing it complete justice. Um, but you can look it up for yourself. But get a snap, uh, Edmonia Lewis. I just wanted to share that with you. And then also I wanted to mention, just in case folks missed it, um, uh, yesterday on uh, the Google Doodles, um, our, our uh, um, Tony Stone was uh, was honored. Tony Stone, um, black woman baseball player, she actually was the uh, first woman to um to integrate a professional men's professional baseball um she played with the negro leagues and she actually took hank aaron's position which i think is like really and um and she uh she made her life here in the bay area um when she passed she was an alameda county resident i'm like whoa how cool is that so anyway, um, definitely want to look at that. Uh, <laughs> if you go to wandaspicks.com, you can actually see the doodle. I don't know what happens to them after um, the day passes, but I don't know if it's still there. But that uh, <laughs> she's there, uh, and that was so so cool to see her. I always click and see to see you know the details behind the uh, the image. And so anyway. Um, so back to uh, Anthony and Cleopatra at African American Shakespeare Company in 2015. Um, Anthony was played by L. Peter Callender, you know, phenomenal artistic director, as well as actor, and and Leontine um, Belly Bung. Um, she uh, she played uh, Cleopatra, and I think they she might have. I'm not sure if she played in the other roles or that just that one. You know, sometimes people are multiply um they have multiple characters. But it was a really wonderful production and, and she is also on staff at African American Shakespeare Company. And you wanna um definitely visit their website. Uh their website is African hyphen American Shakes dot O R G and um and we've had uh 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 Miss Sherry Young, uh, she's the founder and executive director. We've had her on our show many times, as well as L. Peter Callender. And, uh, and, and I'm sure they have a season that, uh, is, is, um, that you can learn more about by visiting their website. But, again, uh, this, is, this is from the archives. It was a great conversation. I, I love talking to um, Leontine and, and L. Peter, uh, Peter because... They are just so they're such great great actors, but they're also they're also great um 
educators about the work. Um, you know, this is Shakespeare, you know, and then they're taking and, and doing Shakespeare with color, like, and really doing it up. <laughs> and Cleopatra uh, was a black woman. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I'm talking too much. Let me just let you listen to this interview. And I don't know, like, I'm not sure if you have to listen to the whole show first and then get to that. It's like, dang, if that's the case, then they might not be first because I haven't listened to this in a long time. <laughs> so here we go. Um, I guess closing work for the 2015-16 uh, season, Anthony and Cleopatra. Uh, good morning, uh, L. Peter Callender and Leontine. Good morning, Wanda. <laughs> good morning. Oh, my God. I didn't know until, like, I saw your phone number. I was like, oh, they're joining me. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well, happy birthday. Thank you, thank you. It's such a pleasant surprise. I mean, because it was like, I, I said they must be really, really busy. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That that never stops, Wanda. You know that. That never ever oh. stops. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It just looks like wow, Anthony and Cleopatra. You know, I don't think I've ever seen Anthony and Cleopatra. I know no one's ever seen it the way you all do things. Um, yeah, well, it's going to be it's, it's an interesting production. Uh, we're really, really happy with uh, the way rehearsals are going. And uh, uh, John uh, John Tracy, our director. I mean, I know you'll give a lead in, so let me just let me just let you do your lead in, Wanda. Then we'll have a talk. <laughs> well, um, Anthony and Cleopatra, Shakespeare's epic love story, is set in modern day. Mark Antony has traded his power over an empire for the forbidden love of one woman, Cleopatra the queen of Egypt. Jealousy, betrayal, death, and war cannot refute their undying love for each other. And we have with award-winning actors L.P. Calendar and Leontine Belly Mung in the title roles of Mark Antony and Cleopatra. Oh, my goodness. So I see you all walking on a beach, <laughs> holding hands. Like, okay, is this the San Francisco Bay <laughs> or is this the yeah, Pacific actually, Ocean? <laughs> that is that is the Pacific Ocean. Uh, that was, that okay. shot was taken... Uh, yeah, um, that shot was taken at um, Ocean Beach. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. taken at Ocean Beach um, uh, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the play doesn't the play does not take place in San Francisco, though. Let me just tell you. Oh, that. It, oh but it, where, where? it does take place. <laughs> it does mm-hmm. take place partially in Alexandria, which is also in Egypt, which is also on the water. Yeah. And there is a lot of yeah. there's a lot of seagoing and ship talk, so it's uh it's actually quite an apt um, image. Quite, quite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, Tell us about about your characters, you know. Um, why is Cleopatra's love uh, forbidden to Antony? Um, uh, Peter, what's going on there? Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You start, you start with the easy questions, Wanda. Um, good morning. Well, good morning, everybody. <laughs> um, just as just as when any, any uh, forbidden love uh, happens, when it, whether it's a... Uh, Romeo and Juliet or um uh, other major Shakespearean characters there's always there's always a, a roadblock there's always something that gets in the way um he is he met her he is beguiled by her and uh, most other men are in the world and she only wants Antony and 
um, he is totally uh, taken by her, unlike any other love story in Shakespeare. There's something about her that is absolutely beguiling and um, impossible to walk away from. And he gives up a lot. He gives up his uh, his power. He gives up his heart. He gives up his honor um, uh, to be with her, to be in her company, to um, to be in love with her, to share her love, to get her love. Um, and the, the consequences are, are very dire. And I'm sure Laurentine can add to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, uh, it's interesting because there, there's the two of them, and there, there's the two, their two nations, and it's sort of a, a marriage not only of two people but of two nations, and how those two can can connect, and the fact that I think that partially the reason that this love is so forbidden is that Rome and the the reality that exists in Rome about who can have power and and who can rule the world is so very contradicted by this woman in Egypt who's running a country all by herself and who's wealthy and powerful and makes no apologies for it and um, is kind of standing up to to notions of power in Rome. And so I think part of her her attraction is uh, part of her beguilement and powers lay, lie in her in her in her power and her and her unapologetic yes I am queen what are you gonna do about it <laughs> I don't care what you have to say about it I I just am and and so um, so I think that's a very that's a very interesting and so what does that mean then in terms of their relationship like in terms of the power plays within their relationship and. Um, you know, between them two as individuals and then two as rulers of of empires. Mm. So that's kind of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And she's um I mean, so, you know, um Anthony, Mark Anthony and, and Cleopatra, they, they are peers. Um, you know, they're both, you know, leaders mm-hmm. in, in their in their two communities. Um but it's also um yeah, so you've got this, you know, Rome, and you've got Africa, and and then there's there's this uh, the politics of Africa, right? <laughs> and and the Egypt, politics Egypt. of Europe. Well, Egypt. Egypt, and Egypt specifically. Egypt, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. but Egypt. But it's, but it's, you know, well, Africa, Africa is a continent. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. It's but not. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I know. It's not the whole continent. You were talking about the country of Egypt, which, but it's in Africa, and mm-hmm. and 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 you know, and people start talking about you know the pharaohs and the queens and the kings, and um, and all of a sudden, um, uh, Egypt becomes a part of Europe. Um, it's no longer a part of Africa, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and Alexandria, um, you know, is is yeah. And so, I mean, even today, um, you know, when you think about Egypt. Um, oh really? Where's it? You know, people are kind of surprised. <laughs> you know, of, of where right, it is right, yeah, yeah, like the Nile Valley civilization. Like really? Um, you know, Kemet. Mm. Oh really? <laughs> you know, mm. um, Memphis. Really? <laughs> um, so anyway, um, so the uh, uh, the uh, the politics of it. I mean, Mark Antony. He's 
he's of European descent, and uh, Cleopatra is of African descent. So we have that stuff going on, too, um, historically. Um, so as long as you well, can sort of talk about – oh, sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, interestingly enough, and I think that this is something that that gets um, forgotten, is that uh, Cleopatra is actually of Greek descent. It was oh. the Greeks who came over with Alexander the Great, mm-hmm. and – so the, the the people running Egypt at the time were Greek. There was like there was this Greek nobility, and okay. um, so they were so they weren't actually Egyptian. Now the interesting mm-hmm. thing about Cleopatra is that she managed to gain the love and admiration of the Egyptian people. So even though the Greek nobility didn't necessarily side with her in the wars against you know the power internal power plays of Egypt you know, with her brothers and who was going to take power and who was going to rule, she, she really uh, um, had a strong affinity for the Egyptians, and they really adored her and, and uh, worshipped her, and she, and she kind of grounded herself in their mythologies of the gods of Isis and, of, and all of that and really, um, really managed to align herself with them. But she is actually a, a Greek Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's, yeah. Thanks for that clarification. Yeah, I know some things shifted um, at some point, you know, with regards to the ancestry of who mm-hmm. was running Egypt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. this is that period. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The Ptolemies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But people really, um, I mean, this story is just so uh, epic. Uh, people, you know, of all the characters, people remember about, um, you know, of that particular, of Egypt, everybody's sort of like calling Cleopatra's name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Mark Antony, you know, people are calling his name, but really Cleopatra. So what's the deal? Why why has she sort of become, why is she so iconic over all these these, these centuries? And, and what is about the relationship, Peter, that just sort of resonates so much with folks? And why does Shakespeare want to do this? Story. Oh, I asked you a lot of questions. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's a, a lot of questions there. Um, uh, which one do I tackle first? Why did Shakespeare want to do it? Um, yeah. uh, because of the the real people. Because of the the the, the fact that these uh, these are two, as you said, epic characters. These are two huge human beings that actually existed. That. Uh, um, that shape the world, that represent that undying love, that represent power and intrigue and sex and wine and and um, and war and and betrayal is the ultimate story of betrayal. I think that's why uh, certainly why Shakespeare um, uh, tackled it. Um, uh, not only Shakespeare, but Shaw, George Bernard Shaw, tackled it as well, and as well as other playwrights. Um, so I think that's that's the that's the draw to the story, and um, uh, and there's this there's this uh, this man who is a little you know he's a little older than Cleopatra, um, um, con- you know if he concerned he concerned very much about his age in the play that that's mentioned in the play a few times uh, about um, the, the the white hairs of fighting against the black hairs on his face. Or, um, because he's he's not doing the things he's supposed to do, and uh, age is getting in his way, and um, so he's fighting with his own legacy. He's fighting with his own um, sense of who he is and where he belongs in the world. Um, 
and he would he just he just says I'm done I'm done I'm done fighting I'm done killing I'm done um, uh, creating wars and and uh, and then boom he gets right back into it um, when he realizes that Sexus Pompeius Pompey is on his way Pompey is taking over um, and and so he he's drawn back into it not really knowing uh, not really wanting to and making all the wrong decisions. Um, uh, it, and it's 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 very there, there are passages in, in the play that that are reminiscent to today's political um, uh, journey, today today's political um, mm-hmm. um, theater, as it were, and then the audiences certainly will 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 take that in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was wondering um, since since um, you know the two characters are are you know, leaders in, in their two perspective um, nations, what do they do about the power? In, you know, like, how do, how does love, I don't know, help <laughs> or or uh, or disrupt the potential of this, this, this attraction they have, the two characters have for one another? How does love disrupt? Yeah, because you know, I mean, this, they're both powerful. Somebody's gonna have to, something's gonna have to give here, um, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, like, does does Cleopatra, you know, give over to uh, Mark Antony? Does he give over to her? Do they agree to share the power? Like, how, if so, how does that work? I mean, so like, what do they do with this? They're both leaders. Their people are depending on them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like love is like you don't you don't have time to love when you're when you're political like when you're a leader like you know you do marriages of convenience and and you mm-hmm. you know you mm-hmm. think of the nation not about personal you know heart stuff like you know no you do that later like you know in the next life or something. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, right. a, a major, a major, the major, the major um, uh, shift in the tide that that happens in the play is uh, during a battle. Um, uh, Cleopatra decides to turn and fight again another day. Um, and Antony, because of his love for her, because he says that in, in the play he says um, that his heart is tied to her uh, um, to her rudder, as in, as in, you know, it's a ship, shipping term, that he and she will keep him in tow. Uh, so he, when she leaves, when she uh, turns. Uh, to fight another day, he follows her, and that is something that ev- all his captains and generals and, and uh, uh, soldiers look at him as a coward, as a failure, as a. Uh, he said he he has um, he has turned his back and taught cowards to run as well, um, and that's disgraceful to him. And he is he's a broken man after that. And she says, I didn't I didn't know you were going to follow me. Why did you follow me? I didn't know you were going to do that. And he says, Are you kidding me? You know, I you are everything to me. You conquered me. You, if you, where you go, I go. And he re- realizes later that that was a very dishonorable thing to do. And later, of course, he finds out that she makes a decision, um, not an easy decision, but she makes a decision um, that changes everything for their relationship. Well, I think it's interesting that there's a conflict between the personal and the the political, right? Is that in terms of a as a leader, 
do you view yourself as a single individual or do you view yourself as, you know, the head of a multitude? And do you act do you act for the benefit of the multitude or do you act for the benefit of yourself? Or do you see, and I think that in a way this is Cleopatra's um, sort of view, is that she embodies the multitude. So whatever, like, I don't think she, she necessarily considers, uh, considers herself separate. So whatever, you know, that royal we for her is kind of a, is kind of a given. And so whatever it is that she does personally is is for the good of the country, which in a way is true because because Egypt is sitting there and it's and it's a kingdom. The Roman Empire is advancing and trying to, you know, take over. She's she's sitting. Um, she's the wealthiest person on the Mediterranean. Everybody wants her money. Everybody needs her money, and she needs to somehow preserve her sovereignty. And so she does it with Julius Caesar first. He comes along and she. You know, she gets involved with him on a personal level, which is also very necessary to her political survival. And then when he's when he's killed, here comes Mark Antony, and kind of she needs she needs to do the same thing for her political survival. She enters into a personal relationship. Now, which comes first? I don't know. Was it necessary to enter into a personal relationship? I don't know. But the two are so inextricably linked, and so. I think that in terms of where the power play is in their personal relationship versus their political existence, um, I think that for Cleopatra, at any rate, the two are kind of one and the same. And so in her love, she is, she is in a way able to remain more pragmatic than Antony because Antony, on the other hand, I think has to give up his political in order to follow his personal pursuit. Whereas for Cleopatra, her personal pursuit is her political pursuit. And so, in a way, does that mean that she has more power in the relationship? I don't know, because at the same time, she needs him in a way that he doesn't need her. Um, so so it's, it's really a seesaw that really goes back and forth in any given moment, and in any, anything that happens kind of tilts it one way and then the other. And so it, it remains strained and, and tense throughout. Wow. Yeah, what yeah, she said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and this particular work, um, Antony and Cleopatra, um, you know, around power and 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 leadership of a great nation, you know, two great nations, uh, it it resonates for those of us, you know, in America because right now, you know, is the presidential race and and that's like you know, and Antony and Cleopatra, like who's going to be the president, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you only have one president. The other person has to be the vice president. <laughs> well, Cleopatra states very clearly that she is the president, quote, unquote. She actually says that in the play. Yes. The only time Shakespeare uses that word is in this the play. The only time Shakespeare uses the word president, president. is in this yep. play. Wow, wow. Where did that come from, the yeah. president term? Um, I I don't know where it came from, but it, it it existed and it means what it means today. You know, to be the ruler oh, of a yeah. of a nation. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. And I, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's interesting too that 
that, you know, in terms of power in a woman, you know, now we have this thing with Hillary Clinton and, and the issue of her being a woman is so is so looming and large, both for and against her and against her being in power. And um and I think it I think it's so interesting that that is still an issue to this day. You know, here Cleopatra was a ruler in Egypt and for for Egypt that was totally normal. It was totally normal that Cleopatra could hold that much power. Um but for Rome it was like, who who is this? This no, this isn't what women do. This they like it couldn't it didn't compute for them. So and I think in a way I think that's why Cleopatra became such a huge figure is that is that it was something that the Romans, this conquering, I mean, they swept, they swept the entirety of the European continent, and here was this woman who kind of stood up and beguiled and would suck them in like, like a black hole, and, and, and they didn't know what to do with that, so they had to kind of reduce her, and it's a sign of her power and her, and her potency that they had to reduce her to, oh, she was just a whore, oh, she just, you know, it was like... Her power just lay in her in her ability to beguile people through her sexuality and through her womanhood, actual real power as a president of her kingdom. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that 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 therein late lies the the hugeness of her, just in how much she was reduced to oh she's just a woman she's just a She's just a whore, and even Antony turns against her and calls her that when he, you know, when he, when he's at his low point. Even he, who loves her, calls her a whore and calls her, you know, all these terms for whore, a boggler and a, and a, a rigging, like all of these terms for thing more than, than a woman who uses her sexuality to her to her own end. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. When when in fact. Um uh, Cleopatra, from what, from the way you describe her, uh, the character, she sounds like a woman just who, who had a, a really powerful and uh, a toolkit that she mm-hmm. knew, you know, what to pull out when she needed to pull it out. Because the whole right. idea was being an effective ruler and and keeping the sovereignty of her nation intact. And so, mm-hmm. you know, hey, if beauty works. Then that's you. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do, you know. Definitely, definitely. And that and that, you know, the patriarchal system that, you know, is her adversary is gonna stoop to calling names. You right. know, that's just, just showing how defeated they really were. I wanna let the audience right. know that Anthony and Cleopatra, um, is up at the African American Shakespeare Company uh, Friday, May 6th for previews at 7:30, opening on Saturday, May 7th at 8, and continuing Sunday, May 8th, uh, May 7th, opening May 8th at 3 p.m. matinee um, through Sunday, May 29th, another matinee. <laughs> so. Uh, Saturday, Sundays um, uh, in repertory through the end of the season, and the running time is 100 minutes, and uh, the recommended minimum <laughs> age is 10, and <laughs> and it's at the Burial Clay Theater, 762 um, Fulton Street in San Francisco, inside the African American Art and Culture Complex, and the website is African-AmericanShakes.org, and you can get tickets online. You can also get them through, um, I think, um, 
brown paper tickets, perhaps? Is that correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right. All right, cool. Yeah. So I uh, was just thinking, um, <laughs> Leontine, that you just see the ladies really powerful women, and I, I was sort of reflecting on Medea, uh, <laughs> you know, for a moment there, and and then mm-hmm. and then I thought about then I thought about Grace. And I thought about you, Peter, as Robert Mugabe. That was like phenomenal. Mm. Oh my God, you all were so great <laughs> in that production. Yeah. So just maybe it just was talk about. People still talking like, about it. Well, they should be because <laughs> 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 it's still newsworthy. <laughs> oh man, that woman! My goodness, she is really something. And her husband. Oh my goodness, how old is he? Nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're still going too. They're still going. <laughs> He is, man. It must be something in the food. Well, we need to find out what he's eating to be so sharp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so talk about these these iconic figures. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you know, we are we are. This is this is. Uh, go ahead, Lantine. Oh no, I was just gonna say they're they're um they're terrifying in their iconicness. I mean, as an actor, to approach. <laughs> My God, how do you approach Cleopatra? You know, every time you mention it, people are like, ooh, <laughs> and it's it's actually quite terrifying. And so, so the challenge is kind of to make to make her real, to make her so that people don't leave disappointed at the thought, you know, not having seen Cleopatra, but also to make her just a real human being and um, with with real wants and and desires and and frailties and fears and all of that, you know, sort of to 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 make to make the icon uh, a woman, just a woman. Yeah. Um, so yeah. That, yeah. And for people to see these these characters, certainly in modern day dress, certainly speaking language beautifully, of course, um, dealing with the, the issues that. Uh, that people of power have to deal with. I mean, you know, we look at uh, General Petraeus, who was recently, um, you know the story about General Petraeus. He was, you know, married man, uh, the, the, the man that led the, the American forces in Iraq and Kuwait and um, major five-star general and um, sort of dishonored by the fact that he had a mistress and was released from his power. It's, it's a very, very contemporary story in, mm-hmm. in, its, in its agelessness. Um, uh, he, you know, dishonored. I, I don't know if he feels himself dishonored. Maybe he does privately. Uh, Anthony says it out loud. Uh, since I, I, I've been dishonored and, and the, gods, uh, the gods hate me. So he, he does feel that way because of his, his cowardice and the fact that he let this woman, and he was married, just as General Petraeus is married. Um, uh, and yes, John, uh, Anthony's wife dies early in the play, but he was a married man involved with a, with a, with a woman that was not his wife. Um, and that sense of dishonor and that sense of, of, um, of going, going to places where he shouldn't be and the consequences of that. So we have this, this modern-day general, um, uh, dishonored, yes, uh, still, still making a bunch of money somewhere, but certainly no longer the five-star great general that he was, and I wonder how history will look at him. And there is this uh, Anthony um, who d- did the same thing uh, many, 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 many years ago. So it's, 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 it's history repeating itself. It's, just, it's, a, it's a contemporary story um, 
that is that is told very beautifully at, at African American Shakes, with six actors, um, uh, on a on a very tight space that that the, the audience will notice will will actually go from this pristine setting to absolute chaos by the end of the play, and they'll wonder how that happens, and and the audience never sees war, but they see they see the destructiveness that war can bring. In, in, in people's lives. And I think that's that's John Tracy's take on it, and it's a very beautiful take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, how how did John Tracy come um, to be uh, invited to to direct the play, Peter? Oh my gosh! Um, if you if you look at if you pick up the the San Francisco Chronicle, if you go online and type in SF Gate, <laughs> and you look at uh, San Francisco Chronicle uh, reviews or plays done in the Bay Area, you will see John Tracy's name um, pretty much everywhere. Um, uh, he's worked at MTC. He's worked at uh, certainly at the Aurora Theater. He directed us at, in Mugabe. Um, oh, oh, that's how his name Okay. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. San Francisco Playhouse. Reunion. Um, Ashley Stage. So um, John and I have always, uh, since we met during Mugabe, we've always wanted to collaborate on something. And this is one, this is certainly one of, of many. Um, uh, he's now the artistic director of Theater First in Berkeley. Um, uh, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a, a wonderful man, a father. Mm-hmm. He also designs the set and lights. He does everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I asked John to, to come on board, and uh, he didn't give it a second thought. He said, absolutely, Peter, what, what, what play? Let's, let's do We were going to do um, uh, Merchant of Venice, but we decided to do Anthony and Cleopatra. And uh, uh, it's it's been a, it's been a, a terrific process. Uh, little little as Lanteen says, it's it's terrifying. It really is terrifying. It's a big play. Um, and we're doing it with six actors in a very contemporary manner, um, in the sense that um, you know these characters are, are uh, these huge characters are constantly looking at each other. It's constantly spying at each other. Constantly, we know what's going on. Just as just as today, we know what's going on in South Korea. We know what's going on in China. We know what's going on in Japan. We know they know what's going on with us. It's the same sort of um, uh, spy versus spy intrigue. Um, on top of that, you have love, you have war, you have wine, and you have betrayal. Mm. All in an hour and forty-five minute show. <laughs> And it's yeah. a very lean, lean show. John cut it. Is. John, you know, pared it down to just the really juicy, juicy bits. And um, so it's, yeah, it's a lean running, running machine. It is. It is. It is. It is. It is it's fabulous. It's mm-hmm. absolutely wonderful. Yeah. So um, is it um, without intermission or is there an intermission? Oh, there is a break, yeah. yes. There's a break. Okay. Okay. Um, is there any is there any music? <laughs> Funny you should ask. Uh we'll well, save that we'll, we'll save well, that. You you need to come. Oh of course. We'll I'll save come. that as a surprise. <laughs> okay. Let us say that yes, there is music. Okay. <laughs> wow, wow. So, Peter, as artistic director for African American Shakespeare Company, um, how's it going? How's it been? Because I was so shocked to see you, but I shouldn't have been shocked. But I didn't know that I was going to see you in um, uh, on on stage at the um, 
Marin Theater Company um, in the, uh, was it the whale story? Um, Swim. Swimmers. Swimming. Swimmers, yeah. Like, oh, swimmers, there's, there's, yeah. There's yeah. Peter. He's like, he's like sort of, he's he's the muse. He's the one that's, you know, like keeping everything together. Like, whoa, this is so cool. I didn't know you were in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, Wonderful. That, that was, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. that uh, that play and uh, that cast and director, um, the playwright. It was um you know, I always say that, you know, when you do this, when you have this business, when you do this business as long as I have, there are a few productions that stand out. Um, and most of most of them for me, uh, other than being on Broadway, which is a wonderful experience, most of them for me have been out here in the Bay Area. Um, you know, My Children, My Africa, Breakfast with Mugabe, um, Circle Mirror Transformation, uh, The Whipping Man, and Swimmers, those, those plays. Uh, really resonate for me as an artist. Um, I'm very proud of those productions. Very proud of the cast and directors and the theater companies for the for braving such topics. Uh, certainly, the Convert as well. Um, but oh, Swimmers yeah. was was uh, just just a wonderful play. Very subtle, very sweet, very deep, very poignant, uh, and funny and sad all at the same time. And uh, uh, it was brilliantly cast, well directed. Um, yeah, I, I had a great time. And as far as African American Shakespeare Company, you know, we are we are going into our 21st season. We are um, we're having you know growing pains. We need to we need. Um, I'm hoping that a major donor is listening. <laughs> we need a large <laughs> influx of of, um, of donor support. We are we are yeah we are indeed having growing pains and we're dealing with uh, lots of changes going on at the center with uh, with space and with uh, uh, dealing with some issues as far as. You know how long, how much space do we need, and when uh, when our rehearsals are, and and people needing more space and more time, and um, uh, how long will we be there, and, and the prices are going up. So it's all kinds of all kinds of issues that we really need to sit down and, and talk about. We are so it it, it could be very it, could, it can get a little difficult sometimes, but we're we're moving on, we're trudging on, and we're we're hoping to plan. Uh, uh, next season with no worries, but but right now things are a little bit frail, it, it, just a little bit frayed. We're we're we're, we're concerned as to um, uh, where we will be in the next um, uh, couple of years. So we're looking for that continued support from the public. We're looking for that donor support. We're looking for um, uh, someone to say that this company is certainly worthy of a first-class space. In San Francisco, that we where we can do our work, where we can support the community, um, um, uh, influence people, influence lives, change the lives of people, uh, change the lives of young actors coming up in the business, um, supporting them um, and giving them a space to hone their craft. And 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 right now we are we are at a, at a place where that's a little tentative right now. But uh, you know the show must go on, and we are we're going to do our best to continue our the work that we know how to do. Um, and Leontine, uh, what I want to ask you, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't write it down. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> uh, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, uh, maybe name the other, the other members of, of the ensemble, um, that are, are participating and, um, 
And and then Leontine, I wanted to ask you sort of about the ritual of of theater specifically around around your Cleopatra. Um. Oh my God. Name it. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Peter, help. Um, India Wilmot um, is in the ensemble. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Um, um, Tim Redmond uh, you know, is playing Eno mm-hmm. Harvest. Um, Steve, what's his last name? Ortiz. Is playing um, Caesar. Caesar. And Edward is playing um, also ensemble. Yes. And that's everybody, right? Yeah. Yes, and then you and me. It's six of us, and then you and me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the craft of theater is the God playing Cleopatra. Um, it's, it's a tricky one. It's, um, for me, I have a tendency to really get into my head um, to sort of live in a in a theoretical um, world, and so um, and the craft of theater is kind of, is leaving that world for for a a very um, physical world, a physical emotional um, one, where a matter of figuring out where it is that you feel things in your body and what that means then in terms of how you move and, and how you, you know, just how you embody those, um, those emotions um, and, and then what it is then that pushes you forward so that you, so that in any theme that you're in, you're, you're, you're aiming, there's something that you want and that you are trying to get so then how then does that inform how you move and where you go and what you and and what you um how you say things um in order to arrive back full at where you started theoretically um or maybe you'll arrive somewhere different than where you started theoretically um but that's kind of the kind of the journey and the the sweep it's sort of a, a spiral <laughs> um and sometimes you can get you can get lost in that spiral, but you know you play and you, um, you know. Yesterday we had a we had a rehearsal, you know, with a scene with Peter and I where we were just like going over and just figuring out the the workings of uh, of a scene, and uh, and that for me is a really fun, um, a really fun process of just of just being in it and doing it. And oh no, this didn't work. And this moment here, and maybe I get close to you here, and maybe and and you know what do I want, and how do, and how do I get that from you in this moment? And um, so it's a it's a fun craft of honing and and uh, and and sanding down. <clears throat> yeah, shaping. Uh huh. Um, shaping a journey in in moment by moment. Um, so that you create this whole arc, this whole entire journey um, from beginning to end for a character. Um, yeah, so it's it's hard and 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 but so much fun. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering, Peter, um, uh, when when you know you're you're um, sort of creating, you're, you know, your your Mark Antony. Um, 
uh, and and of course, I'm sure you 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 have uh, developed an internal life for him. Are there times that you want to like break break form and and, and rewrite him? And be what him? Rewrite him like, oh no, man, this is not going to work. Um, oh, um, <laughs> uh, no, not to rewrite him. Um, uh, one of my one of my it's a very good question, Wanda. Um, one of my things is um, uh, when I look at a Shakespeare play and I and I and I say, okay, I'm a purist. I I, I just am. That's just me. And and I, I look at, at at the way a director, um, not necessarily John, any director, is this, has decided to conceptualize a play, and say, let's break it down, let's deconstruct it, let's look at it in from a completely different way. I'm like, okay, let let's do that, but let's stay honest to what the play is saying and what the play does. And sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes you have a brilliant director who says. Uh, you know, um, uh, for for example, I think it's I think it's a, I was listening to Eric King yesterday at on on NPR. Eric Eric King is the artistic director of Cal Shakes, and um, they're doing uh, much ado about nothing next season at Cal Shakes, which I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, after having listened to his conversation. And uh, you know that play we did it a couple of years ago at, at African American yeah. Shakespeare. Lantine was Beatrice, a wonderful p- performance. Um, yeah, uh, was brilliantly directed, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, just indeed it was. Um, uh, <laughs> all right, uh, but but what 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 they're doing is they're they're starting the play at the end. <laughs> so uh, Beatrice and Benedict are getting married, and Dogberry, who is the the clown, the officer, the the um, the, the the humor, the, the clown in the play. Um, uh, it, it's, it's Dogberry's story. Dogberry is telling the story of why uh, he's, 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 he's left out of the wedding. He's out, out front watching people going to the wedding. And he's telling the story of how it became, how it happened this way. Um, so that, there's, there's this wonderful play that, has, that, that, that Shakespeare has written that's done all over the place. Um, but this director is looking at it from a completely different angle. Um, so sometimes you say, wow, really? Could we just do the play? Could we just start at the beginning and tell this? Well, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a director's conceptualization, and I, I, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to audiences seeing this production. Um, sometimes I look at it and say, well, Anthony, Ant- why is Anthony uh, here at this particular point? What, what is, how do I play this scene where Cleopatra is... Is she pretending to be sick? Is she not pretending to be sick? Is she is she playing a game with me? Is she serious? How do I play that? Because the certain uh, the play the scene is written in a certain way, and and oh, I see where you're where you're going with that. Okay, now I've got to change all the things that I'm thinking, and then play the scene honestly. And I'm not asking you don't ask directors. No, don't change your conceptualization. No, you have to now play your character. In, in a whole new way, and that's challenging. So you never want to say, you never want to say, oh no, I, I don't think Anthony would say that, or I don't think Anthony would would do that, or I don't think Anthony Anthony would sit there or, or crawl on the floor there or or sing this particular song. Why would he sing this song? No, you just do it and see how that fits into your body, see how that fits into your psyche, see how you can bend and flex, and as Lantine said, shape your character 
to fit the conceptualization of the director. Um, uh, and that's what that's what that's why we love Shakespeare. That's why these plays have lasted, you know, 400 years. That's why we celebrate his birthday. That's why we we have actually we have uh, theater companies with Shakespeare in their names. That's why all that stuff because it's it's brilliant and we can do so many things with them and, and share and, and and admire his work and admire the companies that do them. It's very brave um, when when companies take on these things. Yeah. Um, so in closing, I was wondering if you could talk about, um, you know, this is a tragedy, which means somebody dies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really simplistic, but you know what I mean. Well, maybe. Mm-hmm. Jesus, no, it's true. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and sometimes in Shakespeare's tragedies, a lot of people die. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and and you know there, you know there is there are there is war and there are rumors of war and and you know there's there's infidelity and betrayal and you know uh, a lot of things are going on. You know, it's typical in you know these these court uh, in you know type of of stories where there you know all these layers to to the leadership. I mean, you can't just get to the president. <laughs> I mean, then or now. Um, <laughs> and so there are all these different layers. And this one is you could talk about just sort of uh, the emotional uh, story at, at work here and and do the characters survive it and how are they changed? Um, uh, how do you change them? How are they changed? And And what of the story stays with you as a person after you step away and the curtain goes down like how has Peter changed you know how has Leontine changed by Cleopatra by Mark Antony and their union in this work I'll follow up Leontine go ahead how has Cleopatra changed but um, well, I think that she she starts out like you know a spoiler alert. Um, I think everybody knows she dies, so she doesn't she doesn't make it. Um, and part of part of I think what um, uh, what what she's up against is um, is this. Is this love and 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 what's going to happen to her without this love, um, and and how and how and what does she need in the person that she loves? You know, I think in the way that she's built up Mark Antony to be this, um, to 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 be this certain this strong soldier warrior, which you know, as 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 Peter has said, you know, isn't necessarily what Mark Antony wants to do, but that's kind of what Cleopatra needs of him. And so, <clears throat> sort of a question of like, how do you shape the people that you're involved with, and um, you know, do you ca- can you turn them into what it is that you want? And if you can't, then what does that um, what does that do to you? Can you can you survive losing that? Losing that that idea and that ideal of of who you wanted and needed in your life, um, and in this case for Cleopatra, it is very real what it is that she needs and wants, and there are very very dire dire consequences to 
not having that anymore. Um, and and so, what do I leave with? Um, I I'm not sure that I that I've um, gotten to a point where I fully figured it out and be able to walk 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 out of rehearsal. I think that's something that comes after performance. You know, um, once we're in performance and we've kind of settled, that I can be like, oh, this is what this leaves me with every night. Um, I think it's, uh, right I now think... I'm still too too much in the process of it. Yeah, I, I think the the big the big word here, Wanda, as we close this this interview, the the the, the big word here is is um, is uh, honor, and I think oh, we we mm-hmm. both we both mm-hmm. leave this world as characters in this play, um, hoping that we have maintained our honor in one way mm-hmm. or another. Um, yeah. um, it's it's a very important concept in the world of this play. Um, yeah. um, uh, Anthony says, since Cleopatra died, I've lived my life with such dishonor. Um, he wants, you know, in, in, in Julius Caesar, he talks about, Anthony talks about honor. Caesar was an honorable man. So are we all, all honorable men. Brutus was an honorable man. So that word is, is extremely important. And although um, Anthony uh, feels that he has lived his life in such dishonor, he wishes to fix that in some way. And um, there's even a, a, a text that says if, if it doesn't happen in this world, it happens in the next. But he does wish to, to leave the world with honor. And we, they both try, and they both mm-hmm. uh, do, do themselves in um, or ask, uh, ask someone else to help them do that so that they can leave this world with honor and, and, and grace um, and mean, because Cleopatra does not, you know, the the, the, um, the alternative to Cleopatra is being, uh, uh, as we will learn in Caesar and Cleopatra, is uh, she gets taken to Rome and and is is put on a. Uh, I'm being dec- a little decadent here, but she's put on the back of a of a flatbed truck and paraded down Market Street. Um, you know, half naked, so that the world can can see her. This is I've conquered her. I've conquered, and she and she says, "There's no way that's going to happen." And she and yeah. Anthony Anthony sort of um, uh, predicts it, and he says, "You know, you will be hoisted for all the plebeians to see, and and they'll throw pennies and they'll throw coins at you, um, and that's going to be your future with Caesar. That's all he wants from you." And she's, she's, she knows that, and she says there's no way that's going to happen. Um, and so she, she dies with honor, and so does he. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Wow, this sounds real heavy duty, and you would never think, looking at you all coming, you know, walking in front of the, you know, Pacific Ocean, that <laughs> all that, well, you know, like, you can't really tell when you're looking at the ocean how deep it is. Great picture. Uh-huh. It's real deep yeah. stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and that's, that's very poignant that, that, that our backs, our backs are to the ocean. Yes, yes. You know, our yes. backs are to the ocean. Our backs, are, and and if you look at the picture very closely, there are there are storm clouds uh, above us. Mm-hmm. Our back is to the ocean. We're we're looking, we're looking to our future, ignoring ignoring the threat that's coming to us by sea. Yeah, and there's a wave, a big wave walk, walking, marching towards you. Yeah, and you're back. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah. it's a very poignant photograph that John Tracy uh, wanted us uh, to take and, and be a part of. And, and that, that it tells a great, 
deal of the story right then and there. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. People should definitely, uh, you know, get out to see this wonderful work, uh, May 6th through May 29th. Uh, Friday is the preview, and then Saturday, Sunday, and uh, repertory. And, yeah, um, just to see how you all, you know, you get up and you pull yourselves together and you come back the next week and do it again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, theater's so magical like that, right? (laughs) Thank you so much, Wanda. You've done a great job. Thank you. Oh, thank you. It's so lovely to have you on today. What a pleasant surprise. (laughs) It's not your birthday, but, you know, I'll definitely remember this on my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) When is your birthday, by the way, so we can all celebrate? (laughs) Oh, it's in June. Um, It might be Father's Day this year. I'm not sure. But, yeah, June 20th. All right. June twentieth. Well, you can you can you can celebrate and, and come see uh, Master Harold and the Boys over at the Aurora Theater. That's my next show. Oh, really? Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Super. Okay. Uh, Fugard, <laughs> Master Harold and the Boys, and then I'm I'm directing a play called Safe House at the Aurora oh. Theater as well. Oh, I've heard. So that's of coming House. up in the who, fall. Who wrote Safe House? Uh, Keith David. I'm sorry, Keith uh, Joseph Atkins. Oh, that's why I know it. Yeah, I love. Um, Keith Joseph Atkins out of New York now. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, super. Okay, So excellent. you get to celebrate excellent. your birthday at the Aurora Theater. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll see you all next week, though. Um, all right. Thank, Thank you very, very much. Katra. All right. You take yep. good care. Thank you again. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Peace and blessings. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> so we are going to close with... Um, a shoe exit and that's a Dimu Majun. Since we opened with uh Zion Trinity and we invited A shoe to open the way for us. Um we are going to have A shoe exit as soon as I pull it up. <laughs> yeah, and I wanna let folks know about a couple of um events this weekend, um, besides the wonderful um, fundraiser for Sankofa Keeley Dance Ensemble, again, that's tomorrow, April 30th, from 1 to 4 at the Fermi Recreation Center, 1651 Adeline. And if you are unable to make it, you can send um, uh, Sister Aziza Alice Jefferson, uh, Artistic Director, donations uh, to help the, uh, the company continue to do its work, uh, offer free classes to uh, young people make che- checks payable to Alice Jefferson, and you can send them to P.O. Box 1702, Oakland, California 94604. And uh, let's see what else I want to let folks know that uh, Ubuntu Theater Project uh, has extended its production of The Grapes of Wrath by Frank Galati, based on the novel by John Steinbeck. And that is at the Oakland City Church, which is on MacArthur Boulevard. And you can get tickets by going to Ubuntu, U-B-U-N-T-U, theaterproject.org. Uh, you, can get tickets. you can also get tickets at the door, but if you go to that website, you can find out where Oakland City Church is located, because I'm not finding it right now. And that's um, performances are tonight, tomorrow, eight o'clock, Sunday at seven, and and then uh, next month they're opening with Moss 
by uh, Milton Ortiz. That's May 11th through May 29th at another venue. So you'll have to go online and see where that is happening. And what else do I want to tell you? Um, oh, um, I just noticed that uh, there is uh, a reparations event happening in uh, at Marcus Books tomorrow uh, on the 30th. I'm Oh, here it is. I'm thinking. I think I. Oh, yeah. Here's my flyer. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, let's see, see. Five o'clock at Marcus Books, 3900 Martin Luther King Jr. Way in Oakland. Uh, there's going to be uh, Africans deserve reparations with many past to Kuji Shakalia. Um, it's a book by Baba Jahara Amin Ra, Akebilan Maat. So. Um, it's going to be a wonderful celebration of, of this uh, brother's new book, um, which looks at uh, self-determination and action, and it features experts from around our African diaspora about reparations. So that's going to be the um, Oakland Museum. There is Open Engagement 2016, and the keynote speakers are activist Angela Davis and artist Suzanne Lacey. But there are also there are um, there are events happening today, Friday, as well as Saturday and Sunday. So you should visit the website for Open Engagement 2016 for the complete schedule um, for this weekend. And um, let me see. I'm, I stopped looking <laughs> for for the song. Let me continue to scroll and see if I can get it. Um, yeah, it's been a really, really fabulous show. Um, really, really, really awesome. And uh, and I'm not seeing... Um, oh, here we are. Um, ASU Exit. Adima Majun, Wolfhawk Jaguar. Peace and blessings to everybody. Oh, my God. 
Oye, is that the new Samsung Galaxy S7? Yeah, I got it for zero down on AT&T Next. Plus...